0: for you. I invite you to open your heart this morning and ask him to touch your heart, touch your life, to wash away your sin, to give you new hope, to give you new joy. If your heart is callous this morning, ask God to penetrate your hard heart so that his love may get through. God, we pray that in Jesus' name. Now, speak to us through Your Word. We pray it for Christ's sake, and everyone said it with me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Last week we began a series about the end of time. It was perfect timing because uh, it just uh, we just began right before. The movie 2012 came out on Friday. Did anybody see that yet? Nobody? Good, you don't need to see it. I'll tell you all about it. I want to remind you this morning that we are a people who believe that the world as we know it is coming to an end, and we believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that. U.S. News and World Report, as I mentioned last week, did a poll, and it revealed that 60% of all Americans from all faith backgrounds believe the world will eventually end. 20% of those people polled believed that the Earth's life expectancy is only a couple of decades. And so there is a general sense, not just amongst believers, but amongst all people, that the world as we know it cannot and will not go on as it is. We understand that. We recognize it. Atheists, agnostics, people of all faiths recognize the world as we know it, cannot go on as it is. Now I want to remind everybody this morning, if you are a believer, if you put your faith in Christ, if you are faithful in studying your Bible, then you will know that the New Testament is permeated with the theme of the second coming. You know that. Our souls You know we're redeemed at the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross, that's why He came the first time to redeem us, to redeem our our souls. We in the Garden of Eden, our forefathers died spiritually and physically. And so we recognize that at the cross our souls are redeemed. But the second coming is all about the redemption of our bodies, where we will experience and when we will experience the fullness of our salvation. And so this morning, I want to remind you that you as a believer believe that when Christ comes, Satan will be defeated and the curse will be lifted from all humanity. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Anybody? There's a few people nodding that you're looking forward to that. I don't know what the rest of you are looking forward to. <laughs> all the saints will be glorified. Christ will be worshipped. And creation will be liberated when Jesus returns. Sin and death will be conquered. And you think about that for a minute. Not just sin and death, but all your sicknesses and all your illnesses. will all be conquered in Jesus' name. The Lord's second coming is a real event that will take place in history just as his first coming did. Now remember, that first coming was prophesied in the Scripture. And when Jesus came, it wasn't a surprise to those who knew the Bible because they knew the prophecies Jesus was going to come. And of course, we celebrate the coming of Christ every Christmas, don't we? Well, my friends, there's prophecies of Christ's second coming. And if we look back and see that the prophecies came true concerning his first coming, then we can believe that the prophecies will come true concerning his second coming. Now, I want to remind everybody that the second coming of Christ is the great hope of the church. This is what what you believe. This is your faith. You believe that Christ is coming again. Second Timothy 4.8 says, We are those who are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We are defined, listen, we are defined as a people who are looking for Christ's return. That's who we are. In Titus 2.13, it says, We eagerly wait for the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8.18, we await the glorious liberty of the children of God. Romans 8:19 and 21, we await the redemption of our body. First Corinthians 1:7, we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we are. We're a people who are looking forward to the return of Christ. At least that's who we should be. And I can tell you that the church over the last 20, 30 years, has forgotten. That that's who we are. We are a people who are looking for Christ's return. We've gotten caught up in other things, and we've forgotten that we are a people who are looking for Christ's return. And if you read your, new, your Bible, you read the New Testament, you will discover that, in fact, this is, this is uh, the common theme, the common denominator amongst believers in that first century. They were looking for Christ's return. And I want you to know this morning that the Lord does not want us to be ignorant concerning his second coming. He wants us to understand. He wants us to know. That is why he gave the great revelation to John. We call him John the Revelator because because God wanted us to know. He wanted us to understand the signs concerning the second coming of Christ. And so I want to just show you a quick video clip. And again, it's, uh, it's related to 2012. I think that you'll be interested in it. And I've got a reason for showing it to you. So, uh, Taryn, let's see that clip. Well, I can tell you that that scared the daylight out of a lot of people. Maybe it even terrifies you this morning. NASA reported that they are, they've had an unprecedented number of um, emails. It's flooded their system. People are scared. They're so scared about the end of time. Some of them are very angry. People are angry at NASA, saying, how could you allow this to happen? As if somehow NASA is responsible for the end of the world. People, I mean, people just don't know where to turn. They don't know who to who to, who to talk to about this. And so, NASA—they're they they're scientists. They're crunching numbers. They don't know how to how to comfort, and nurture people, make them feel better. People are scared. One woman wrote in said, uh, "I'm pregnant, but I'm so scared. I want to kill myself because I don't want my child to experience that." Well, my friends, I've got some really good news for you today. And it's not that the end of the world won't come, because it's coming. But I'm going to tell you this Jesus said, Do not be frightened. If you have your Bibles, take them, please, and turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. If you don't have your Bible, just uh, settle up beside a person there who's got a Bible and take a look at what they've got in their Bible. Jesus says, Do not be frightened. And so I want to share with you some of the signs this morning. I'm not sharing all the signs. Some of you sharp prophecy students will recognize that I'm not, I'm not sharing all the signs this morning. But I'm going to share the signs that are pertinent to those who are believers. Next week, I'm going to talk to you more uh, further about the signs that will take place and uh, some of the events that are going to take place that I believe we are going to miss out on. And I'm, I can tell you I'm not sorry about that. But I'm going to share with you some of these signs. And uh, look what Jesus says here in Luke 21, verse 8. He says, uh, Jesus says, watch out that you are not deceived. I call these the pre-signs, sort of leading up to the end. Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming, I am he. In other words, I am Jesus. I'm the one you're waiting for. And they'll say, the time is near. Do not follow them, Jesus says. And when you hear of wars and revolutions... Do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. So let me just say this to you, first of all. Many have come over the years declaring that the end is near. Many have come over the years declaring, I am the Christ. Uh, Did anybody see that special on CNN last night about Jonestown? These people believe that, that Jim Jones was... The Christ. In fact, he declared himself a Savior, and they followed him to their death. 909 people drinking cyanide laced Kool Aid, believing that they were following their Messiah. We've seen this over the years. And Jesus says, Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Many have come declaring that Jesus would come at certain dates. And one of the reasons why people have ridiculed Christians is because, uh, because of these prophecies that didn't come true. These dates that were set that didn't come true. I want to just share with you some of them. And I'm going to tell you that people have been setting dates, declaring the date. Even though Jesus says no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man will return, people still set dates. Go figure. Doesn't make any sense to me. And it goes back some time. I'll, just, I'll mention just a few of them. Pope Innocent III predicted Christ's second coming would occur in the year 1284. And the, reason, the way he came up with the year 1284 was he figured out when Islam began. And he simply added 666 to it and came up with the year 1284 and believed that that would be the year of the Lord's return. Well, you know, the, you know what happened. You do know what happened. <laughs> Jesus didn't come, right? Yeah. Okay, just, just want to make sure you're, you're with me here. And February the 1st, 1524, people were panicked by predictions made by a group of London astrologers. I didn't say astronomers, I said astrologers, who said that, uh, that the end of the world would come. Some 20,000 people in the year 1524, 20,000 people abandoned their homes and fled to high ground, anticipating the second great flood that was predicted to start from the Thames River. Can you just see all those prim and proper English people with their bowler hats and umbrellas running to high ground trying to escape the end of the world? Uh, This is kind of a funny picture in my head. Forgive me. We were just there, you know. Uh, Excuse me, excuse me. (laughs) Trying to save my life, you know. In 1792, the Shakers predicted the end of the world would come. Jehovah's Witnesses. Anybody know what a Jehovah's Witness is? Them, Jehovah's Witnesses set several dates for the end of the world. They said the end of the world would come in 1914. And guess what happened? You're smart this morning. It didn't happen, did it? No, we're we're, we're awake. And so then they said, "Well, it, we made a it was a slight mistake here, so we better we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of rework these numbers. It's actually going to be 19, 1915, not 1914. And of course, you know what happened." Nothing. And they thought, oh, well, you know what? We've got to look at this again. And so then they set the date in 1918. You know, they thought, well, we better just give it a few years. Still nothing happened. 1919, they predicted that nothing happened. 1920. they thought. 1925, still nothing happened. 1941. (laughs) And you know what? You can't blame them for thinking 1941 would be the year. Because, I mean, Hitler, you know, he looked like an antichrist. I mean, if anybody looks like antichrist... but that wasn't the year. 1975, they said, would be the year, but guess what happened? <laughs> Nothing. And then they said 1994. And then I think they just stopped. <laughs> they stopped predicting because they were wrong so many times. And uh, you know what it says in the Old Testament? When, when a prophet uh, makes a prophecy and it doesn't come to pass, what you're supposed to do is get a pail of stones and let them have it. <laughs> In 1844, the Baptist preacher William Miller predicted that on October the 22nd, 1844, that the world would come to to an end. And this is known now in American history as the Great Disappointment. (laughs) Jesus did not return. I remember a book that was given to me in the early 80s called 88 Reasons. 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988 by Edgar Wisenant. And I can tell you that that book didn't sell too well in 1989, <laughs> it didn't work, it didn't happen. And of course we read on, how many remember Hail Bop, the comet that came through, and remember the uh, remember the cult, the Heaven's Gate cult, there's a mass suicide, and they thought that somehow they were going to sort of join up with the with, uh, Hail bopp comet and go off into eternity. Uh, they went into eternity, but uh, I don't think they went with H- Hail bopp the early church fathers, some of them believed that the earth would end in the year 2000 A.D. How many remember Y2K? Anybody remember that? It seemed like a distant memory. The world was coming to an end. The computers going to shut down. And uh, how, Does anybody still have food and uh, water in their basement? For the, you, set, you got the package together, didn't you? You were ready for, Christ, for something to happen. Uh, and, of course, it didn't happen. And then some said that uh, two, September 2008 would be the end of the world. And the list goes on and on and on. Well, guess what, my friends? People look at that and, and they think, oh, these Christians are not such numbskulls, you know. They just they believe any, anything that comes along. I'm going to say that's, that too often is the truth, unfortunately. And that's why Jesus says that we've got to know the truth, <laughs> because the truth is what sets us free. The truth is what sets us on firm ground, amen? You've got to know your Bible. You've got to know what it says in the Scriptures, and Jesus says, you're going to hear that here's the end of the world, and the time is near, and here's the Savior, and the Messiah has come. But Jesus says, don't have anything to do with it. Do not follow them. Do not listen. You're going to hear of wars and revolutions, but don't be frightened. These things must happen first. But the end will not come right away. And then we read down in the passage in Luke chapter 21, looking at verses 34 and 35. And then here's what Jesus says to his disciples and, and um You'll notice that I skipped uh, some very uh, heavy-duty signs, which I'll be discussing next week. But Jesus has now got something to say to the disciples and to, to everybody, everybody who wants to be a follower of Christ, everybody who wants to be a Christian. He says this, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Jesus is saying that everybody on the face of this earth is going to be in a position where their hearts may be weighed down or will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties, and the anxieties of life. And he says that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Now what Jesus is describing here in verse 34 dissipation, drunkenness, anxieties of life, is is a, a life that's the exact antithesis to the Christian life, the exact opposite to what the Christian life ought to be. Now, here's the problem, friends, is that we in North America, we who call ourselves Christians, really aren't much different from the world who don't know Christ. And so I want to stop for a moment and look at these temptations, these things that could very easily overtake anyone who fails to do what Jesus says, to be careful. Jesus says, be careful, because any one of you could fall into this trap, the trap of dissipation, the trap of allowing the anxieties of life to overcome you, the, the, the trap of drunkenness. That word dissipation, a very, very interesting word. You see, in the Greek, there is no English word that translates perfectly. The, the, the Greek word, that just, which is translated here as, as dissipation, is a word skull wrestle. Skull wrestle. S-K-U-L-L wrestle. I never heard that. I, just, I was checking my Greek, and there it was. I'd never, never heard of that before. And my friends, what, what Jesus is talking about, the skull wrestling, he's talking about a state where people are confused, People don't know what to do with themselves. People are given to extreme confusion. They're given to, to time-wasting, to, to amusements, to extreme temptations, to wickedness. That's why it's translated dissipation. In some places, debauchery. We're talking about people who are terribly confused and mixed up and messed up. Man, what a description for people in North America today. People who are skull-wrestling. People who are mixed up in their heads. People doing things that, they, that you never, ever heard of before. If you've been following the news and CNN, I mean, if you want to see the signs of the time, just watch CNN and say, oh, there's another one, there's another sign, there's another sign. How many have seen these these six men? It's, it's now six men in Missouri charged with, with extreme perversion. And I'm not, I'm not even going to go into it because it's, it's so... I, it's so horrible, so utterly, utterly perverted. Things you'd never ever heard of. And you look at these people sitting there. Did you see the picture? There's the man in the orange suits, six of them in a row, beards. And they look so normal. You think, what on earth is going on in this world today? And the old man, his neighbor was interviewed. Man in his seventies. Oh, the, the, the neighbor says, "Man, we we just thought he was a nice old man. He'd go for a walk in his Bermuda, sh- Bermuda shorts and his in his uh, in his high top socks, and taking his little doggy for a walk. He was a very nice gentleman." And here is a man who's involved in extreme perversion. Here's a frightening thing, my friend: is that this this is just one case that's come to the light. How much more is yet to be exposed in our world today? My friends, talk about skull wrestling. People mixed up, confused, and perverted. This is, this is what Jesus is saying could happen to anybody. And I, if someone would have said to me 20 years that Christians could be tempted by this, I'd say, absolutely impossible. But guess what, my friends? Even Christians now, and we're hearing about it, uh, it's, a, it's almost an epidemic among people who call themselves believers. They're involved with things that they should not be involved in. How many, again, watched Larry King interviewing Miss California? And, uh, and there's a, a video, a sex video of her. that's moving around, the, making its rounds. And, uh, and she was interviewed on The View. And, and one of the ladies on The View said, well, you're a Christian. Did this, this, did, did this video happen while you were a Christian? And she refused to answer that. I'm telling you, my friends, we're living in a day and an age where people are being overwhelmed by sin, by wickedness, by drunkenness, and by the anxieties of life. And it's not just the unbeliever. And that's why Jesus says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. And so the question this morning is, are you ready for Christ's return? Or are you being weighed down, doing some skull wrestling, struggling with alcohol? You know that the Bible says that thieves, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God? Don't think for one minute that you're ready to see Jesus if you are engaging in any of these things. Jesus is clear. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither thieves, nor greedy people, nor slanderers, nor swindlers. Jesus says people will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Do you know what the two main concerns in North America are? The two main concerns are your money and your health. The media is a, is a, if you want to know what, what's going on in the, in the minds of the people of North America, just watch the news. Just watch the media. It's a mirror of who we are and what we are and where we've, where we've come to. There's Howard Clark on CNN. There's Jim Cramer. Anybody see Jim Cramer? Mad Money? He's a madman. Fired up and passionate about stocks and, and, and on and on. Susie Orman and there's a power lunch on CNBC and money for breakfast on Fox Business and it goes on and on and on people are so anxious and you know you could understand why people would be anxious about money because we just experienced a, a huge economic depression we're in the mid- middle of it really you could see why people would be anxious about it and people are concerned and anxious about their health anybody see the doctors a new show the doctors Has anybody seen uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta or Dr. Phil and and, and numerous weight loss programs? What's happening, my friends? People are being caught up and concerned about money and their health. And yet nobody, listen to me, nobody is concerned about their spiritual health. There's no programs on CNN that deal with your spiritual health. They'll be quick to to expose religious nut cases, but they won't talk about your spiritual state. And Jesus says this. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. God knows all about it. God has every hair in your head numbered, and for some of you, that's not a hard thing to do. <laughs> if God cares for the sparrow, who doesn't have to worry about what he's going to eat or what he's going to, where he's going to live. How much more does he care for you? And yet Jesus says this, that in these last days, people will be concerned about the anxieties of life. These are the pre-signs. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day and an age that people have utterly forgotten about God. I never... I started in the ministry. I know this is going to be hard for you to believe because I know I don't look more than 30. But I've been in the ministry for 25 years, over 25 years now. I never, ever would have dreamt that we would come to this place where people just absolutely have nothing to do with God. And not only that, but when it comes to God and Christianity and spiritual things, it's, it's mocked, it's ridiculed, and people who are people of faith are thought to be quacks, nutcases. Folks, we're living in the last times. And these are the pre-signs. Now let me share with you some of the signs that you and I are going to see. Verse 10, Jesus says, then, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Nation will rise against nation. Do you know, uh, if, if you've been watching the news, you, you, you know what's happening in Afghanistan. You know what's happening in Iraq. You know what's happening around the world. On, this, uh, on in the news this week, the question was asked, will Israel drop the bomb on Iran? And you know what bomb they're talking about. We're talking about, we're talking about nuclear, <laughs> nuclear uh, developments here, friends. Gabi Ashkenazi, the chief staff of Israel's armed forces, expects world leaders to decide which course of action to take on Iran by the end of this year. We're talking about just in just a matter of weeks, world leaders are going to make a decision. But listen to what what Gabi Ashkenazi says, the chief of staff of Israel's armed forces. He says, we are readying all the options and decision makers will have to consider which paths to take to stop Iran's nuclear development. Ashkenazi told the Israeli Parliament uh, Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee that if if the Iranians understand that they will have to pay a steep price, it wouldn't be illogical or, or unreasonable to say that they may change their current direction Ashkenazi believes that Iran will proceed with their, with their bomb development, and Israel is expecting, in fact, that Iran will bomb them. And if you know history, and if you know anything about Israel and about the Jews, I can tell you this, Israel will not wait for Iran to strike first. By the end of this year, we could see nuclear attacks in the Middle East. My friends, we're living in the last days. These are the signs. Jesus says there'll be great earthquakes. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, are aware of this, but in B.C., they, they issued some brochures, some pamphlets for the people living in B.C., And this is why. Listen to this. Seismic experts say we can't expect expect a major destructive earthquake in British Columbia. We don't know when this will happen, but we do live in a region where some of the largest earthquakes in the world occur. And so they've given everybody in B.C. brochures to help them prepare for an earthquake. Could you believe that our British Columbia could experience anything like that? And they're saying that it's not going to be a small little earthquake where you'll just get a little bit of this, and that'll be... We're talking about serious, serious destruction. That's in our country, friends. Jesus said there'll be great earthquakes. If you Google earthquakes, you'll see that there is a huge rise in the number of earthquakes that have taken place in the last hundred years than in all the the centuries before that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're seeing a change in our world. And Jesus predicted it. There'll be famines and pestilences. Again, go and Google famines and see what it says about famines in the last days. You know, you will see more famines in the last hundred years than you, again, than you will have seen an almost entire history before that, leading up to this last century. Jesus said there'll be famines and pestilences. There'll be There'll be fearful events. In my lifetime, this is the first time I've ever seen uh, our government open clinics up to, to treat the population for H1N1. I've never seen this before. And I, I know it has happened in the past, before my time. I know if some of you were alive when they were vaccinating against polio. But we're living in, in frightening times. Last year we experienced a world financial collapse. Gold is now worth over a thousand dollars an ounce. I was talking to a young fellow on friday who's uh whose dad is um, a big investor in gold. he was talking to his dad's his dad's uh investor and uh they said if and I don't know if you realize this, but the wealth, the money in America is tied to to, to their gold. You've heard of Fort Knox? And there's supposed to be enough, enough gold to cover all the paper money that's been printed. And of course we know that, that that's, that's probably not true. But the investors said that if if in fact, if in fact gold was tied to the American dollar in, in terms of its, the, the dollar's worth, then the gold should be worth $14,000 an ounce and not $1,000 an ounce. Fearful events, my friends. You can see very clearly how anarchy, how war would break out. You can see very clearly that life in this world cannot go on as it is. Jesus said there will be great signs from heaven. You know the, you've heard of the holes in the ozone layer. You've, you may, may or may not have heard of solar storms that impact the Earth in ways that, that you can't imagine. NASA predicts that 2012 will bring the, the most intense cycle of maximum sunspot activity since 1958. Now listen to this. We've ex- this. This Earth has experienced these solar storms in the past. and In 1859, it shorted out telegraph wires in the USA and in Europe. Okay, telegraph wires... Not a big deal, right? We're living in a day and age where we are absolutely dependent upon computers and satellites. And you can see, my friends, that we are in peril. Our defense system is based on computer systems and satellites. Some of you remember in 18, or 1989 when Quebec lost its power. Does anybody remember that? That was due to these solar storms. It knocked out the power in Quebec. In 2003, there were 10 solar flares. It knocked out two satellites and crippled the instruments on the Mars Mars orbiter. And NASA says we're in for some big solar storms in 2012, perhaps greater than anything we've seen before. Now, I'm not here to scare you this morning. I'm not here to terrify you. I'm not here to, to make you an alarmist. But I'm here to tell you that what Jesus has declared is in fact true and it's unfolding just the way He said it would unfold. And there's no way on earth that the disciples could even begin to understand what Jesus meant when he said that there would be great signs from heaven. In the verse 25 of, of Luke 21, it says, "There will be signs in the sun, moon and the stars. On the earth, nations will listen to this, nations will be in anxiety, will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. Again, back in Jesus' day, they couldn't begin to comprehend what that would mean. But you and I remember just not a few years ago, just just a few years ago, the great tsunami that that killed hundreds of thousands of people in Asia. The president, the vice president of the Maldives, a nation just uh, south of India, was interviewed by, um, by an interviewer with the CBC. The Maldives, nation of 90,000 square kilometers, 1,192 islands. And this is what he, what he says. He says that based on the current, uh, current rising or raising of the, of the ocean levels, that the Maldives will absolutely be submerged within 100 years. In other words, a whole nation will be wiped out. Amazing, isn't it? Who would have believed that that would happen in our times? And yet Jesus says, he says it here, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Scientists are saying that based on the current levels of the ocean and the the, the rapidity in which they are raising, that one-third of the world's population will be displaced. Now you can imagine what that will mean. Imagine 2 billion people trying to find a new place to live. It's just, we've, never, we've never experienced anything like that before. We've never seen anything like that before. And NASA is getting letters. People are asking them questions. What, what do we do? Governments are being swamped with, with this present crisis because it's a crisis. What are we going to do? Jesus said it was coming. I want to show you one more video clip, and then I want, to sh- I want to close with some really good news. Really good news. Let's show that clip, Taryn, can we? For those of you who don't know Christ, for those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus, you have reason to be frightened. But For those of you who put your faith in Christ, you are a believer, you love the Lord Jesus Christ, he's your Savior. Well, then I can say to you, do not be frightened. Do not be frightened. In Revelation 3.10, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking to the churches, and he says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. That's good news. Can I read it to you again? Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. The phrase, keep from, keep you from the hour of trial, is a Greek, and it can be translated outside. God was saying that he will keep the saints outside the hour of temptation or the tribulation, which is going to come upon the whole world. You've heard that term, the tribulation, and I'm going to be talking about that next week. I believe that God has given us a promise in Revelation 3.10 a promise to all Christians that they will be rescued from the tribulation. If you put your faith in Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you can be assured that you will be rescued from this horrible tribulation that's going to come on the earth. I'll be talking about that next week. Now this word, this Greek word, to keep from, doreo ek, it literally, literally means a state of continued existence outside. Thus, the church won't be raptured in the middle of the tribulation, as some people believe. And some, some people believe that, that, that we'll be raptured at the end of the tribulation, and some think that we're going to be kept in the midst of the tribulation. But the Greek word is not tereo en, which means to exist within, but the, but the word is tereo ek, which means to exist outside of. And so Jesus uses that term in Revelation 3.10, meaning we will exist outside the hour of temptation, outside the hour of tribulation. In John 14.3, Jesus says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And I want you to know, my friends, that if you put your faith in Jesus, if you're a Christian today, And Christ is preparing a place for for you in glory, and he will come to take you there with him. However, Christ said he wants for us to be where he is, and that's where we will go when we are raptured before the tribulation. And we're going to stay with him until he comes back to earth, and that's what we call the second coming of Christ. It says in Revelation 19 that Jesus is going to return with the church, and he will set up his thousand-year reign, Now some say, well what about, what what happens to those who are left on the earth during the tribulation? Will there be any Christians on the earth? I believe that there will be people who come to Christ during the tribulation. And I'm going to tell you more about that next week. And for those of you who are tempted to think, oh well, I'll wait till the tribulation to give my heart to Jesus. I don't recommend that. I say get yourself ready and get yourself ready now. Jesus is coming soon. It won't be December the 12th, 2012, because God, Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. But it could be December the 11th. Or it could be December the 13th. It could be today. My friends, we see the signs that should cause us to open our eyes and to look up and know that our redemption draweth nigh. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, Our our faith, our Christianity is a, is a faith that, it, that clearly believes that Jesus is coming again. And Father, I pray right now that you would quicken our hearts and give us peace concerning these end times. Help us not to grow weary or to to be faint-hearted. Help us rather, Lord, to be quick to share our faith with others. Your word tells us, Lord, that men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. But for those of us who know the word of God and know the signs, Lord, it will just be a a glorious reminder that you're coming soon. So, Father, we pray right now that you would give us joy in our hearts. May our hope be renewed as we look forward to that day when we will be with Jesus. And, Father, may we be ambassadors of your love to a world that is frightened and scared. Help us to bring hope. Help us to bring the truth to people who are lost, who are wrestling in their skulls, confused, mixed up, perverted, that need Jesus. Thank you today, O oh God. There's no sin too great that you can't wash it away with your blood. Help us, we pray, to come to Jesus. And find that hope and find that courage. We pray it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me and sing and sing with all your heart, Come, Lord Jesus.